0: What is Web3? It's the new internet and it's already here. Before we talk about what's new, let's first talk about what Web1 was, what Web2 is, and what Web3 is going to be. Web1 is the AOL Netscape original internet explorer where you would log into things using a username and password. Web2 is Facebook, Google, Amazon. If you've ever signed into a website using a Gmail or Facebook account, you're using Web2 technology. Web3 is Ethereum, NFTs, Board Ape Yacht Club, where identity and ownership is held by you and verifiable through smart contracts. So what can you actually do with those NFTs? Is there a real-world use case around NFTs and decentralized identity? To answer these questions, we have David Snyder, the co-founder at Lit Protocol. He's going to blow your mind on the possibilities of NFTs, Web3, and smart contracts, which can be applied to almost everything we're doing today, from ownership of property with NFTs to tickets for live events and even logging into your workspace. David is building the infrastructure for these projects. Today, we have a really awesome guest, David Snyder from Lit Protocol. Uh, so we're excited to unpack some of the topics around you know, Web3, NFTs, uh, decentralization, There are a lot of things that our community has been asking for. So we're excited to have you. And in full disclosure, CrowdCreate is an investor in Lit Protocol. Just for disclosure purposes, I want to say that first before we dive in. But David, welcome to the show.
1: Evan, thank you so much for for having me. Uh, Really looking forward to getting into this discussion.
0: Yeah, so it's been a wild ride. I mean, these past few months have been... Uh, pretty turbulent, um, but one thing we've been hearing from the community is like, you know, a lot of non-crypto projects are starting to get interested into NFTs, particularly what NFTs could do. You know, this is this is a project you've been working on, you and your co-founder. So tell me a little bit about you, David. Like, how did you come across this idea, and why why NFTs?
1: Yeah, um, I can. I'll give a kind of a, a high level on on. What we make at Lib Protocol, which is a decentralized access control protocol, and uh, what that does is functionally turn things like NFTs or other on-chain data or credentials, essentially into access passes to other resources in kind of a fully decentralized way, where also encryption is available. Um, and uh, how, how we got into this specifically. Uh, we had built an NFT marketplace and this was about a year and a half ago. Um, And Chris, my co-founder said, Hey, David, look at this. And it was an HTML5 NFT. It was a NFT that contained a bunch of um, audio samples. And uh, just to kind of add a little bit of context, you know, NFT is functionally a pointer on the blockchain, at least in in most cases uh, that is pointing to some file. And that was kind of the light bulb moment we had where it was like, Oh, wow, these aren't just, Video screens or or picture frames that are platformless and embedded inside of a browser window—they themselves can be browser windows. And uh, we basically um, built uh, the first version of the decentralized access control to make that statement true. And then there's this classic kind of quote that says, um, "Innovation often happens uh, during work rather than before." And as <laughs> we were kind of pulling on that thread. Basically, uh, and and paying attention to a lot of the other problems in the space, realize that like a generalized, decentralized access control network uh, provides a a lot of implications beyond just unlockable NFTs. And we can get into some of that today. And then for a bit more historical context, um, Chris, my co-founder, Chris Cassano, uh, was one of the or was the inventor of the first Bitcoin hardware wallet. So he's been around the space for a long time. I first, uh, I, I first kind of like uh, deeply Grok the Ethereum white paper in 2015, and it was aligned with a lot of the other things that I was thinking about. And so um, was, was, was quite moved uh, once being able to understand that.
0: Wow, that's a, lot, that's a lot to unpack here, but I want to bring it back to that point, point uh, you said uh, the point of pointers. And if anybody's familiar with like programming, it's a really simple concept, but the fact that it's sitting in a decentralized place I think is kind of one of the the core, core things that you brought up there. Why why is that so key? Because I mean, there's there's bitly's there's there there are a lot of ways to redirect and point to a specific asset, but why is it so important to make it it's a decentralized pointer?
1: Yeah. Um, so I mean, this is functionally the 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 innovation of Bitcoin uh, and, and blockchain is being able to create a decentralized ledger. Uh, so functionally, what we get out of a decentralized ledger. Whether we're talking about a crypto asset like Bitcoin or an NFT, is the capacity to add historical context on the internet. Prior to these decentralized ledgers, there wasn't a trusted way to say this thing happened at this moment in time, whether it was the minting of an NFT, the selling of a token, um, doing some kind of smart contract function. Uh, there, There was never the time dimension on the internet prior to this. And adding that new dimension. To the way that we can interact digitally and, and and this was only added through kind of solving the byzantine generals problem basically designing an incentive-based network in uh, adversarial context where you can't necessarily rely on the parties to trust each other but you get them to collaborate by aligning their incentives this is the kind of the key innovation of bitcoin and what that means for for everybody is that assets that couldn't have a price and weren't really liquid before um, now have that capacity because we can have uh, basically the authenticity that a certain piece of art or token or NFT was created by a specific individual because they control the private key to the wallet address that that minted it or created it. Um, and then that asset can be traded around using this decentralized ledger system. Um, and we, we, we can go into some details about how blockchains work if you like.
0: Yeah, I, I do want to the reason why I brought that up is because we get a lot of questions around like, what is an NFT? Like, why is it, why is it that this picture is the authentic? Why is it that this one particular one is authentic when I can copy and paste it? And you kind of answered it there because you can see a timestamp of every transaction where originated for that particular piece. So that kind of goes into why, you know, why you can you can trade it, why you can sell it, why there's a secondary market. So yeah. that's that's pretty. F- fundamental to this. Um, I also want to dive into so a lot of people have been kind of kind of talking about your project like it's a middleware, like it sits in between um, and it gives added functionality to, I know you said not just NFTs, but let's just focus on NFTs right now Mm -hmm. because a lot of companies are asking about this. So what is what is the position and what is the value that uh, the protocol brings to these like, you know, adding value to an NFT, adding more experiential Um, things to an nft yeah
1: absolutely um and just to respond to what you said earlier i think there's one kind of key word that i left out before which is is the notion of ownership and and owning the asset through encryption is is really what it boils down to um but in terms of the the kind of extra capacity and what it means to be middleware i can tell you a bit more about the protocol in detail and then we can explore some examples in nfts as it uh, relates to a, a couple different categories specifically around community membership, what this means for retailers, what this means for DAOs or kind of internet corporations, um, art and creator experiences, as well as gaming. And I think there's implication across all of these categories, and we can absolutely dive into them. Um, But in the general sense, essentially, the way that Lit Protocol works is that it is a distributed network of nodes that can validate some information that's on-chain, such as Alice owns this NFT. And it's not just one party that's doing that validation. It's, an, it's a network that's doing that. And then using um, using an encryption methodology called BLS threshold encryption, each of those nodes that do the validation can basically uh, create what, what, what is called a decryption share or a signature share and send the, those shares down to the user. And this is kind of uh, the interesting thing about it is when that user on their computer, what we would say is like in the client, when they aggregate those shares above the network threshold, they can reproduce that initial secret. So it's a way to say, you have this credential on chain, you own this NFT, and therefore you get access to a given resource. And as mentioned earlier, uh, we can talk about some of the examples that given resource could be uh, a chat group, It could be on Discord. It could be elsewhere using decentralized web tech. Um, This is there's a whole kind of notion of 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 membership here, and all of these pieces are interconnected. But I can kind of go through them quickly. Um, Yeah, I want to stay on that that
0: particular one first because a lot and a lot of what we do here is we build communities, Um, and I'm like you know a famous one is like friends of benefits. Um, There are a lot of these you can call them gated communities. Um, but what does that add to the community itself? I, I'd like to hear from you.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, so if you look at any kind of community that existed before blockchain, uh, there is the notion of um, of credentialing of roles and responsibilities. Like anything beyond just a few friends trying to meet up in a group thread requires some level of coordination, and uh and, and yeah essentially it essentially comes down to coordination um so to be able to do that coordination you have to know who has authority over what who's in charge of what um and and like as we've seen you know if you think about the rise of of SaaS products i'm not sure what the exact status but year over year over year Companies are using more and more and more SaaS products. The way that digital organizations and, and communities are built is by using just a wide variety of tools. And if we think about blockchain as the master credentialing system and say, okay, you know, Bob is our, um, our archivist, and therefore he has the right to write data and do updates on our kind of library app. And you imagine there's, you know, as with any kind of organization or community. There's dozens or potentially hundreds of different applications that any community is using to manage the work that they're doing. And um, the jump between the community deciding who should be responsible for what in a distributed way, that information can go on the blockchain as a credential, as an NFT, and then that information can be used to basically let that specific individual have uh, authority or responsibility in some other third-party application.
0: So I can see applications here really strong in like let's say the workplace, where you know you come in you're you're you know I don't know consultant A level A and you want to get access. Um, so by provisioning this through an NFT, they can get access to specific things. Um, I can see that um, a very big application. What about on the community side, like let's say like a Discord group? Or like, uh, I know a lot of companies. Even even, um, let's say if, for example, you have a token and you want to say that only our token holders um, or NFT holders of my pass get access to my exclusive community. How does that work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I can tell you about one integration that we have that that's live right now. Um, that's with a, a platform called Gather Town. Uh, what Gather Town is is it is a, a spatial social platform, essentially. You walk around as a little 2D character, and when you get close to somebody else, you're in a video chat with them. It's kind of like being oh, at a virtual, cool. a virtual conference, and the integration that we've done with them is to basically enable token-gated or NFT-gated um, uh, uh, doors uh, or, or, or portals. So uh, there's a few examples that are already live of people who have basically set up whole worlds where there's certain areas that people who own a certain NFT or credentialed in a certain way can go into and have a discussion about a given topic, Uh, just like you would see at any kind of community event or conferences with different, um, different areas for access, different content being discussed in different things, depending on how integrated somebody is into the process. Even if you take an example like a concert, even all the way to having like a green room for the artist to kind of prepare and do what they need to do. The other side of uh, it to talk about in a community context, I'll tell you about another application um, that's live is the integration that we've built out with uh, Shopify. And so in the context of of that Shopify app, that basically lets merchants say, anybody who holds, holds a given NFT can either get a discount on or exclusively purchase this item. So if you start to think about a community and people want to uh, express themselves by wearing the brand associated with their community which is really exciting and they're excited about um, the capacity to kind of gate that and uh, create some level of cohesion in the community through the gating will be possible in the context of, of merch with the shopify app specifically and so there, there's no apps that this can't touch basically
0: that's fascinating i mean uh regularly i get calls from e-commerce brands that want to build you know, an NFT to give their community, their, their users more access. So what, what, I know you mentioned, you know, access to discounts, access to exclusive drops, I'm thinking like Adidas with their NFT, but what, like, what's the possibilities here? Not just those two examples.
1: Um, I mean, so like, I think we can talk, talk about some of the other categories. So retail is definitely really interesting. I think it's been fascinating to see retailers um, doing basically like art-based auctions for collectibles for their brands which uh is, is cool um but uh i think that there's kind of like and this applies to both retailers as well as to creators basically being able to think about the nft um something that is more like a giveaway the 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 group at at app uh which is the proof of attendance protocol basically Uh, uh, you've attended an event and they've made it really easy to issue an NFT for for free for the host of those events. I imagine that's the kind of the way that we'll see retail and creator experiences going where the NFT isn't necessarily this like singular thing of come buy this collectible associated with this creator or this brand, but really more as an integrated experience that uh, includes digital elements, virtual reality metaverse elements, and real world elements, whether it's at a store or a, a concert. And the NFT in in this lens basically becomes a badge to say, I was here at this certain time, or I performed this action at this certain time. And of that, uh I, I'm then rewarded some benefits, again, whether it's in the real world or digital context.
0: Fascinating. No, I I I like that transition to even like real world, because a lot of projects are seeing that as well, like let's say festivals or events, and they want to transition that from, you know, just an online event to an in-person, I do want to touch upon, because this is a really commonly asked question and a lot of publications are covering, but the concept of web Mm 3.0, so web three, I know it's a broad topic, but I would like to hear from you. Like, how does, how does lit protocol fit into this whole web three revolution?
1: Yeah, I think the, the first thing we can do is define it a little bit. Um, so uh, to my mind, like the the there's a lot of layers to get into this. We could talk about this in the context of decentralization. We could talk about this in the context of, of user-owned networks. We could talk about this in the context of cryptocurrency. But uh, as we kind of mentioned before, the key word, the output for Web3 for kind of the most amount of people is the notion of ownership. And so currently in Web3, ownership, essentially means owning some digital assets. Um, The way that we've kind of seen some applications uh, building on the decentralized web tech stack, and we can talk about this a little bit, um, we seem to be trending not just towards Web3 being defined as ownership over public digital assets, but also including one's private and and, Mm. and self-sovereign data. Um, And so that's, that's, to me, one of the really exciting parts about Web3 in terms of how LIT protocol fits into that stack, certainly on like the public asset and credentialing side, uh, there's everything that we talked around, around access to experiences, events, drops, live streams, uh, collaborations, chats, et cetera. Um, and then on the kind of the data sovereignty and d t- stack side, um, basic, uh, I'll give you an example. There's a, a project called Orbis.club, and they built a Twitter Discord-like piece of software. But what makes it different is that um, it is, its stack, rather than running on AWS or Google Cloud, consists of, of three layers. Uh, it's got Arweave, which is a decentralized storage provider. Uh, then it's got Ceramic, which basically, uh, they would say, uh, enables... Dynamic data streams. You can kind of think about it like a database protocol with uh, decentralized identities. And then on top of that, they've also got Lit Protocol, which is what we're working on, which manages um, the consent and encryption and decryption. So if you think about when you, if you think about Google, when you go and log into an application with Google, that third party app says, Hey, we're this third party app. And we would like access to your email address and your calendar and your contacts, and you're basically saying, "Hey Google, that's great. You can go ahead and consent. Uh, I- I'm consenting for you to send that information to this third party." Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're kind of talking about in the Web three self sovereign data context is uh, that data basically being mine. I'm 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 owning it through encryption, and you're owning it through encryption, and we're consenting from our own data rather than from data that, that Google is custodying. Um, I so, actually want to
0: yeah. pause here for a second, because I want to, I want to bring up this point. Um, you know, I, I come across this in a lot of conversations, but when you sign up for an app, they always say, do you want to, do you want to give it permission? And it's like, if you have an Android phone, you have an Apple phone. Yes. I give it permission. And then you look in the fine print and they tell you what they're giving out, but how many people really look at it? And at the point you give it, it's given away. So mm-hmm. this is like, this is the opportunity to almost take back control instead of you giving permission to Apple, you give, instead of giving Apple permission to give it away, you, you give it away. So fundamentally this is like a core component of web three. And a lot of people ask me what web three is like, this is probably the most basic component of web three. And Lit protocol mm-hmm. is, is a core component of that.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a stack for sure. Um, we're hyper focused on hardening a layer that uh, is um, it is uh, uh, necessary but not sufficient layer. It, it 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 takes kind of the whole the whole ecosystem of tools, which is just a really exciting thing about building in this space with largely people who um, are are ideologically aligned around the capacity to kind of use innovation and invention and harness it in a way that is societally useful.
0: I love the way you describe it, like a stack and a layer, because like developers, they're they're familiar with like LAMP, you know, use the LAMP stack or whatever it is, you know, you have different different protocols for different layers, but I can see how um, LIT protocol is just going to be sitting on one of those. And if you do it really well, you know, all the other stacks will include. So I want, I want to bring this back and, you know, yeah. I've, we've kind of learned a lot about like NFTs, what it can do, the middleware component, but I want to talk about the success that you've had um, your team lately. So uh, tell me about like the recent raise and also tell me about like, how did you get, because your, your product is really unique and it's like a, almost like a B2B play. You have to accord other protocols, other platforms. How did you build that buzz uh, around your project? So let's cover you know, at a high level you raise, and then how did you yeah. create that buzz?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so we raised uh, about six months ago, um, a seed round, and we're really just looking to raise from people who are kind of uh, aligned with the notion of decentralization and tokenization and who are really clear thinkers. And obviously, that that that's how we got um, in touch. Um, and then um, in terms of how we've gotten the word out, we participated in some hackathons, we're super active in Discord, uh, just kind of paying attention and 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 reaching out where appropriate. There's so much happening in this space. and um, and also at the same time, uh, if you have a good proposal or you have a thoughtful thing to say, um, people are extremely receptive to conversations I've found, whether it's like through Twitter DMs or emails or telegram, whatever it might be. Um, I, I would say that there's there's absolutely kind of like a mood of collaboration and coordination. And ultimately, like, uh, people want to have ideas in their mind of the things that they want to build. And if we can um, come in and provide a, a, you know, a, a very useful layer in the stack for that and doing it in a, in a decentralized way, um, it makes the conversation around collaboration and getting to the specifics uh, easier.
0: Yeah. So what, what were the best channels that you found to like getting, I know you said like DMs, emails, but are there any particular channels that you felt like these were these are probably the best ones looking back.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're just getting started, frankly, <laughs> like, uh, things are, things are picking up certainly, but, um, uh, uh, there's, there's, there's more ahead in terms of, um, in terms of kind of getting the information out there. And obviously like there's a, a, a you know, a lot of things say the word decentralized on that, but like the real communication is talking to somebody who needs to use access control and basically kind of running through, you know, what does it mean to what does it mean to grant access to a centralized uh, resource? What does it mean to grant access to a decentralized resource? What does it mean to grant access to like an existing Web two app? And then, what are the various mechanisms for that? And then, and then, how much trust do you have to put in any given party? Because it is a, it is a quite important part. And so, um, yeah, I think we've been fortunate there with this kind of decentralized network take on access control, um, to uh, that we've designed it from the onset for it to exist in this kind of like adversarial environment, in the same way that Bitcoin was designed, in the same way that you see a lot of token networks designed. Um, and, and and to that end, that uh, helps facilitate conversation.
0: Oh, I love I love your story, and we've been following you for quite some time. And that's why we, you know, we invested because we believe in this layer. Like you're solving the problem of this layer. I also know that you're gonna be you and your team are gonna be at ETH Denver
1: coming up. Is that right? We will be. Yeah, we're gonna have a, a bunch of exciting bounties and doing a workshop and a talk and a panel. Um, yeah, if you're there, definitely uh, come find us.
0: Yeah. So I want to, I want to post that link and, and also like share, share where you be, because a lot of our followers are also wondering, Hey, where do I find out more information? So you'll see David and his team at ETH Denver. David is really, uh, you know, awesome. Just chatting with you. How do, how do our listeners follow your story? What's the best way to follow you and lit protocol?
1: Yeah. So, um, there's, as far as the lit protocol, we're on Twitter and Discord and have a website. Uh, the website's lipprotocol.com. Twitter's at All the links are there. I'm at David L. Snyder on Twitter, um, and, and always happy to jam there. Um, and you know, everything that we're doing, all, all, all of these tooling, all these tools and connectors, that's all open source. There's a bunch of developer documentation to get into and um and for people who want to like discuss project ideas and, 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 think about specifications, like we're super contactable. There's a contact form, uh, right on the website.
0: Thank you, David. It was so good to have you. Uh, we hope to have you back soon. Awesome. Thanks for the opportunity.